Jeff Kinley, welcome back. How are you doing today? Doing great, Billy. Thanks for having me back on. Well, I wanted to have you on because we did an interview about Gog and Magog in Russia, and the interview sparked quite a bit of conversation, a lot of people diving in, wanting to understand the topic, wanting to comment on the topic, and it sort of brought us to another discussion, which is the Antichrist. And so I wanted to have you back. You are the author of um, Interview with the Antichrist, which is a phenomenal book, and we'll talk about that after. But this is a subject, along with all of prophecy, that you have looked at quite a bit. And so we want to break this down, help people understand it. Uh, and the other thing, too, the Orthodox bishop um, and Orthodox bishop in Ukraine also had something to say about this that sort of put it in the headlines. He said that Putin um, essentially is a modern-day Antichrist. And so that got a lot of people, again, sort of thinking, wondering on this topic. Let's start there. What is the Antichrist? Well, the Antichrist is talked about in Scripture. The word Antichrist occurs about five times. Of course, he's known by many other names, but he's depicted as an end times figure who will arrive in the last days, uh, who will be in prominence during the uh, the last seven years of Earth's history. And he will basically be a global leader. He'll be the global leader of the planet. And it's very interesting that how people would characterize Putin as Antichrist because the Antichrist actually arrives on the scene. His prominence is not through invasion or through war, Billy, but it's through peace, a platform of peace. I mean, Revelation 6, 1 uh, makes that clear that he comes with a bow but no arrows. And Daniel 9, 27 says he really kind of launches his career based on a peace covenant that he makes with the Jewish people, Daniel 9, 27. So he really, in that sense, is really unlike the Antichrist, I think 147 countries are right now deploring Putin's invasion of Ukraine. So not welcomed by the world like a savior, but more uh, like put down like the bully that he is. Yeah, well, that's that's the interesting thing here. And hearing you say that, let's just dig into that a little bit more. You know, you've you've got the majority of the world united, which never happens. It feels like you've got only five nations that are, including Russia, um, siding with Russia right, right now. Everybody else is, is looking at this and they're pretty horrified by it. Um, and so when people say, because obviously when we talked about Gog and Magog, the belief that many have that Magog, Russia would be the place where the Antichrist would come from. When people say to you, oh, it's got to be Putin. It's definitely Putin. Um, and I know there are people who believe that you would respond with what? Well, I would just say that Revelation 13, one says that the Antichrist will rise out of the sea, which many take that to mean the area around the Mediterranean Sea or the old Roman Empire. And so it's really more so a European origin than it is more of a Slavic or a Russian origin in that sense. And so I would place the Antichrist more among the Sea of Gentiles and the revived Roman Empire as opposed to the north. Uh, and, of course, we know in Revelation 17, verse 15, it identifies the sea, that imagery of the sea as being the, those Gentile nations. So uh, that really doesn't fit the parameters of where the Antichrist is coming from geographically. So for that reason, I would put Putin in another category. Yeah, and it seems like there's sometimes an assumption that it would ha it would be because Magog is an invading you know country coming into Israel from what we see in Ezekiel that for some reason the Antichrist would have to be a, you know Russian or might be Russian. Um, again, you know we're, you're speculating on all these different things, but but it is really interesting to sort of break that down because the peace yeah. part of it seems to be the most compelling part. This is right now we are not you're not going to see Putin 
you know, be at least in this moment, the worldwide, you know, peacekeeper or peacemaker. It's just (laughs) not going to happen. Yeah. And another reason for that is because those forces in Ezekiel 38, including uh, Magog and Russia, are going to be annihilated by the power of God uh, in a war that they launch against Israel. So uh, for that race, it's just another reason why it doesn't really fit with the Antichrist character. All right. So, so other places, particularly first John and second John, the word Antichrist is used. Now we're talking right now about a final end, end of days Antichrist. Um, but let me read first John 2.18. Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so have many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. Can you speak about that? Because there's often conversation about the spirit of the Antichrist, multiple Antichrists. How would you explain that to people? Yeah, I would say that that the spirit of Antichrist is alive and well today, that there have been many Antichrist-like figures throughout history. I mean, going as far back as Antiochus Epiphanes in 167 B.C., who, who invaded the Jewish temple, slaughtered a pig, erected an altar to himself and a statue to himself, and he was very Antichrist-like. Uh, Nero, obviously, the, the Caesars, I think Hitler had uh, Antichrist-like characteristics as well. But when you talk about the Antichrist, we're talking about a whole different bird here. I mean, this man will be very distinctive. As you said, he'll come on a peace uh, platform and he'll bring the world together, not divide the world. It's really the, the spirit of globalism and the fact that all nations are coming together. That really is more the spirit of Antichrist uh, than what Putin is doing. But the word Antichrist just simply, the word anti just simply means against or in place of. And so when you have people that are against Jesus Christ or are trying to uh, substitute themselves for a Christ-like figure, then that's part of the spirit of Antichrist. So I think another thing is that the uh, the spirit of Antichrist is, is, are people or leaders particularly who act like the agenda of the Antichrist. Uh, of course, we know the agenda of the Antichrist is going to involve global governance. It's going to involve a governmental uh, mandates regarding economy, where you can go, where you can spend your money, where you can travel, and that type of thing. And also, it's going to be very anti-Semitic as well. And so when you kind of put that little bit of a picture together, uh, that gives you a little bit more of, of, a, of a silhouette of what the Antichrist is going to look like. You know, Billy, I would just hasten to say that the Bible makes it very clear in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, that the Antichrist will not be revealed to the world, uh, his identity rather, until the restraining influence is removed. In other words, whatever's holding back Antichrist right now has to be as more powerful than Antichrist, more powerful than Satan. And so I believe that it must be the Holy Spirit's influence through the church today. And so because of that, I don't think we can really know who the Antichrist is definitively right now. And if you do know who he is, then bad news, you're in the tribulation period. Yeah, and I mean, there's so many pieces of this puzzle. When you get into Revelation, um, it's very interesting because you mentioned the beast of the sea. Then you have the beast of the earth. Now, the beast of the sea, that's who we're talking about here, right? That would be the Antichrist. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, Revelation 13.1 identifies him as the beast of the sea who goes on to lead this 10-nation coalition that effectively rules the world in the last days. Now, we then have the beast coming out of the earth, and I want to talk about that a little bit because I think there's some – a lot of Christians don't realize, you know, you kind of read through it, and Revelation can be a very difficult book to read, and they sort of maybe might miss that there's this other figure. What can you tell us about the the beast coming out of the earth? 
Yeah, there are actually two beasts we read about in Revelation 13, and it's the same word used to describe both of them. It's the Greek word therion, which means a wild, ravenous beast. And it says that the second beast that later is identified as the false prophet is one that is called another beast. And that word another means another of the same kind. It's the word alos there. In other words, he's in the same vein of character as the first beast. The Bible says he gets his energy, his authority from Satan himself. And so both of these beast uh, figures, uh, but the, the false prophet beast here, it says that he has uh, two horns like a lamb. In other words, he comes on very uh, gentle and very alluring, but it says he has, he speaks like the voice of a dragon. So he's going to have that same uh, adversarial tone. He's going to attack the world, attack Christians, attack uh, Jews. And also he's going to be the one that's going to enact what we all know as 666 or the mark of the beast. He's going to be the one to basically enforce that worldwide. So he is the spokesperson of the Antichrist. He's his henchman, his right-hand man, his PR campaign a representative. Uh, he basically promotes him to the world. There there have been some speculations among some that that beast might be a religious leader himself, you know, that or yeah, that that person is going to point people or maybe have a lot of people following. So it's very easy to sort of point back to the Antichrist and say, worship, worship here. What's your take on that idea? I think it's certainly possible that he could be an existing religious figure. Um, obviously, it's impossible to identify that person or say it's going to come from here or he's going to be this type of person. But it's possible he could already have a, a religious resume. Uh, a platform, something that he could use in helping uh, to uh, bring the world to himself. But by the same token, the flip side of the coin, Billy, is that there's going to be an event, Revelation 13 tells us, that essentially is going to set up the false prophet to be able to uh, lead this worldwide religious fervor for the Antichrist. And a scripture tells us that the Antichrist will suffer a fatal head wound and will essentially rise from the dead. And that will captivate the attention of everybody on planet Earth, as you would expect it would. Uh, and of course, having brought peace to the Earth uh, initially, and now he's raising from the dead. Now he's saying, I'm God, worship me. And so the false prophet really is, he has the ball teed up for him uh, to be able to take that event and that uh, that phenomenon uh, there to uh, to make the world worship the Antichrist. You know, a lot of people or some people in the Christian space, they'll reject the idea that there's going to be a final Antichrist. They'll look at everything we're talking about and they'll say, that's not true. That's not in scripture. It's bad theology. You've looked at this more than almost any. You've written so many books on this. It's a topic you look at daily. Why do you think it is that so many people in the Christian space will look at these things and walk away and say, no, there's no evidence of that? Well, to their credit, I would say this, is that many of the things you read about in Revelation sound very unbelievable. I mean, it's it's far off, it's futuristic, it's it's sci-fi, it's like a mix mash of Interstellar, The Walking Dead, Mad Max, all these things put together, and it's apocalyptic. So I can see how it sounds very unbelievable. Uh, but if you were to rewind back, you know, 2,000, 2,500 years and, and talk about the things that that we're experiencing now to some of the old prophets back then, they would think that you're, you've lost your mind as well. I think the, the easy answer is just simply to say that uh, I, I and many other scholars approach the scripture from a literal, grammatical, historical, contextual approach. And when you approach it that way and just simply let the Bible speak for itself. And, you know, there are symbols in Revelation. There are metaphors. There are things that John uses. But typically those are all explained for us in the book, sometimes in the very same verse. And as someone famously said, uh, when the plain sense of the Bible makes sense, seek no other sense lest you end up with nonsense. 
And I follow that rule. And I think so when you read Revelation just at face value, you come to the conclusion that, yes, there will be a real Antichrist. He will be a real person. Uh, he will be a man. He will rise in the last days and he will rule the existing world at that time. Well, last question for you. I want to make sure that uh, we talk about interview with the, with the Antichrist because this book, for anybody who wants to read more on the topic, being able to do it in sort of a novelization form is fascinating. I know there's other information in the book outside of that, but but why did you write it and what are you hoping people take away from it? Yeah, I, I wrote it as an apocalyptic fiction. It's it's a futuristic thriller uh, based on what the Bible says is going to happen. And I couch it around the identity of a young uh, 28-year-old uh, Belgian journalist named Julian, who is tasked with the duty of writing the official memoirs of the newly elected world leader. And so he basically travels in the inner circle of the Antichrist. And it reads like a movie. It's it's very thrilling. It'll keep you on the edge of your seat. But at the end of that narrative, that, that fictional narrative, what I do, Billy, is I address directly from Scripture. Scripture, 30 of the most asked questions about the Antichrist and go into great detail about those. So really the, the last last fourth of the book uh, just deals with what the Bible actually says. And so it's reaching a lot of millennials right now that we just had to make more orders at the, the publisher to get some more copies available. But uh, you can get that book uh, on Amazon or anywhere books are sold. Well, there you go. It's Interview with the Antichrist. Jeff Kinley, thanks so much for coming on and breaking down this important issue for us. Really glad to talk to you anytime.